Well, welcome to another edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. It's a Super Tuesday edition of the program. We're going to spend the next 90 minutes taking a look at all things politics. And I want to <laughs> think I should give a definition. It's interesting to me the number of people. I've heard a pastor, a well-known pastor in this area, uh, give an entire sermon on this whole issue. I've seen people who are fairly well-educated uh, kind of co-mingle and maybe even misappropriate the word politics and try to break it down into politic and politics. The idea being that everybody has their own politic, but then we all get together and we have a conversation about politics. And I wanted to take a look at this because I think it's very interesting. I mean, basically the definition of politics is the activities associated with the governance of a, co a country or other political ent entity. But a politic, per se, singular, doesn't necessarily put itself in that same category. You know, I mean, seriously, if you've ever done this, it, it was a guy, bless his heart, pastor at a church in, uh, a pa church in Pasadena. I used to work, produce his radio program, and uh, I used to write it and do the voicing, and another guy did the engineering and mixing, and... Um, he did a whole thing and talking about your politic and everybody has a politic and, and, and it's so important to this politic. And blah, 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 blah. Now, I know what he was getting at, but he was trying to overlay it into like the political realm. And the problem is it, they don't line up. The definition of politics, as I mentioned, set of activities that are associated with making decisions in groups or among a special you know, distribution of resource status like with the government. When we think of politics, we think of government, but there are office politics as well. You know, that's how the corporation gets along. Every time you have a staff meeting and she speaks up and then he tries to quiet it down, I mean, you, you get the idea. But what we would call the singular form of that word isn't necessarily the singular form of that word. If you look at the word politic in itself, the, the politicus or politics means of citizens of the state, civil civic that's the politics word that we get but the word politic the adjective literally means sensible seeming sensible and judicious under the circumstances so basically what it in essence means is that i have to stop this thing a second oh no i can't sorry basically what this means is <laughs> it seemed like a good idea to me there's a big difference between it seemed like a good idea to me or it seemed like the sensible thing for me to do versus the issue of, well, politics is how do we all get along together corporately? That, that corporation has a set of rules, has a set of standards. But imagine someone saying, I did not think it politic to express my reservations about that issue. It literally means it seems sensible or judicious under the circumstances. That's it. So if someone wants to come at you during the political season and talk about politics and asks you the question, what is your politic? Well, your politic is whatever, I mean, it's basically common sense. If you think it makes sense to send that email to your upset, irate boss because you gave two weeks notice and she doesn't want to hear it, then your politic is I'm not sending the email. If you think it is sensible under the circumstances to campaign for a certain 
candidate than your politic is. I'm going to go, I'll be a door uh, precinct walker and uh, put up the door hangers or whatever. It's a subtle difference, but I think it's, I think it's an important one. Case in point, uh, there is an interesting battle going on right now. And please keep uh, California Senator Dianne Feinstein in your prayers. Mrs. Feinstein is not in good health. I should say Ms. because her husband's last name is different. She just turned 90 years of age. She has been kind of a shadow of her former self in the Senate, if she's even been there. She's been voting by proxy. She had another fall last week. Trust me, as the son of a 90-year-old mom and a 90-year-old dad, I know how difficult it can be for some people to be 90. And one of the last things you're thinking about doing when you're 90 is being a United States senator. I mean, in all honesty, it's conceivable that Ms. Feinstein may need assisted living care. And I don't think they offer long-term care at the U.S. Senate chamber. So her seat is up for grabs in 2024. It may be up for grabs a bit sooner than that. And there's kind of a feeding frenzy among California Democrats to take her spot. The two leading candidates are California Congressman Adam Schiff. You know, he of the got kind of quiet all of a sudden because it seems like all of his Senate ethics or House ethics committee intelligentsia was based on lies. And Katie Porter, the former UCI instructor who still maintains her housing residence in UCI's uh, residence village, I guess. It's a pretty nice home that's subsidized by the state. Uh, She's still collecting, I would imagine, uh, benefits and things like that as a tenured professor at the school. But she serves as a congresswoman. Uh, She won the Mimi Walters district because Democrats know how to do um, ballot harvesting and Republicans don't. And that's a simple, I mean, she took a a red district and turned it blue, a red district that Mimi Walters had a comfortable lead in before all the last minute votes came crashing through because the Democrats had to figure out how many votes they needed to overturn the district and they won. Then they went out en masse again. And again, if you're a GOP person and you're sitting on your thumbs going, well, you know what? I think this ballot harvesting is bad. Guess what? It's legal and it's the way California politics works. So if Republicans are not willing to engage in ballot harvesting in 2024, you can kiss all of the seats that you have right now goodbye. When Pastor Jack Hibbs of Calvary Chapel Chino Hills and Real Radio comes on Bottom Line Show and other places and says, you have to ballot harvest, that's why we're doing it here. There's nothing immoral or illegal about it. It means we're collecting as many ballots as we can. Now, understanding, too, that Democrats are collecting fake ballots and um, and. and stuffing ballot boxes. There's no way that Joe Biden had 7 million more votes than, than Donald Trump. I mean, it's just silly to think when Biden got up in front of America and said, I won the election fair and square. No, he didn't. Now, I don't know that Donald Trump had it stolen from him, but the idea that Joe Biden won fair and square is, is somewhat laughable. But now Katie Porter, congresswoman from like used to be the 45th district or 46th in Orange County, is now running for the United States Senate. So she did a town hall forum last week in Costa Mesa and basically came to town. Now, this is a woman who talks a great game when it comes to money, when it comes to uh, financial things. She's been on many House subcommittees where they've been grilling, you know, the uh, oil company executives. And, you know, there's always great sound clips of Katie Porter saying, what about this? And what about this? And what about this? And these guys sit there and go, oh, deer in a headlight. And, and she's very well researched and, and presents very well in these House committees. Quite frankly, if she'd ever debated Adam Schiff, I would not want to be Adam Schiff. But in this first town hall in-person event, uh, basically she uh, took on, I mean, the climate and the climate change. 
Matter of fact, uh, a local watchdog group called Climate Action Change found out that uh, Orange County is the largest county by population in California that has not committed to a comprehensive climate action plan. Probably a pretty good reason for that. Now, read between the lines on that sentence. There are dozens of other counties in California that have not also participated. Orange County is just the biggest. And the Democrats, very wisely, I think, have chosen Orange County to try to make it a blue haven or a blue heaven, if you will, for all things left wing. Now, as Christians, I've said this before, I'll say it again. Look at Genesis 1, 2, and 3. We are stewards of the environment. We are stewards of all of creation. God placed mankind over it to help it to be fruitful and multiply. So a Christian who says, I don't pay attention to climate change or I don't pay attention to environmental issues, this, this, that, and the other thing, really is going against the grain of who we are as Christians. The problem is when it becomes politicized to the point where, well, the solution is everybody has to drive an electric car. That's a solution right there. Well, that's not a solution because... It takes natural resources to get the lithium to make the batteries. It, it, we talked a couple of weeks ago about Gavin, Gavin Newsom being frustrated, our governor here in California, being frustrated with the fact that the only way California is staying cool during the heat wave is an increase in production of natural gas. People are using less electricity to cool off and more natural gas to cool off. So, so much for the green technology here. The Public Policy Institute of California conducted a statewide survey, and they said that uh, uh, the level of concern for the climate in Orange County is the lowest, and the county has done very little to actually do it. So Katie Porter seizing the opportunity, saying, well, here I am from California. Uh, I'm going to <laughs> I'm going to have a town hall forum, and hopefully it would be a bit of a softball question and answer type of thing. But evidently such was not the case. Uh, many people who were there were motivated to take on the issue of climate change, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, once a uh, uh, UC, well, a, study, a student from Irvine who studies at University of Wisconsin uh, is majoring in environmental and urban studies and said, I can feel the effects of climate change more. It's definitely a lot of eco-anxiety that we're all dealing with. But I also work in the clean energy industry, so I want to hear how legislative efforts are working out in our communities. And Congresswoman Porter responded that oversight is essential to ensuring legislation. In other words, we need lots of government and lots of resources to take care of this. But you know what I found very interesting when it comes to caring for the environment here? I'm looking at the Orange County Register uh, rendering of what happened here. Katie Porter going on about all the students. Uh, of the kids that she receives, um, 50 to 60% are about climate change and plastic and endangered species. Now, she might receive three letters a year from kids, but she says 60% about the environment. But then we get to what, what Katie Porter calls the low-hanging fruit in the water universe, and that is water storage. She said, and I quote, we have to make sure we are making big investments in recycling water and storing rainwater and groundwater. The, the challenge is that California uh, has most of its water infrastructure built in the 1960s. While President Biden wants to see California and so does Governor Newsom wants to see it all electric by 2035, the goal here with what they call their 30 by 30 conservation plan is to have 30% of U.S. lands, freshwater, and ocean areas uh, storable, if you will, by 2030. 
So basically the solution is not to build reservoirs, not to build storage units, but to just take over all the land. This is in paragraph 21 in this article. Everything else is Katie's wonderful and everybody's concerned about the environment, but the real issue in California is the drought. And the real issue is the fact that there's no water. And the real issue is that there's not been a reservoir built in California since 1979. But then when you want to politicize it, we need more oversight. We need more infrastructure. We need more money and we need to take over more land in California. That will solve the drought. No, it's really very simple. Build reservoirs, save and store water. Full stop. We'll put the article up at thebottomlineshow.com if you're curious. I think you might be. On the other side of this break, it's that time of year when some Christians you know, get really activated by what's happening in the culture politically and they want to get involved and others just yawn and want to take a nap. Uh, on the other side of this break, Bunny Pounds is going to join me. She's from an organization called ChristiansEngaged.org, a former congressional candidate, has a brand new Bible study on how to rebuild the walls of a nation. And we have four opportunities for you to get. It's a $29 value, and we're giving away four of these sessions absolutely free. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800 the number to get you through to the bottom line. Bunny Pounds joins me coming up next as the bottom line continues. Well, Super Tuesday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, and we are so grateful to have a conversation uh, with scheduled here for this for this next half hour with a woman who is a young mom an entrepreneur and began to see america as an emission field in a number of different ways i mean and and her name is bunny pounds she's the president and founder of an organization uh called christians engaged and the website christiansengaged.org uh, is up at the bottom line show.com we're going to get into a dialogue about how her career started off kind of in a politically themed and politically charged but how god has led her to want to spur on those of us in the body of christ to pray to vote and to really engage with the culture on the political level bunny pounds welcome to the bottom line show today it's so great to be with you, Roger. Give me a, just a 60-second snapshot of how you got into this process of being, as you describe it, a missionary to America. I mean, literally to the point where we, we, we talk about God and country all the time. Let's make America great again. Biblical principles, you know, God's ordained everything. We hold these truths to be self-evident. And yet we look around us and say, what is this place that we live in right now? It's really gotten crazy, hasn't it? It has. And I was a young homeschooling mom. I really caught a vision for America, specifically for the unborn. And just looking at some of the things that were happening in our nation that I had to really look myself in the face and say, is this um, something that I should be speaking on or engaging in, or is it something I should just ignore? And it came to the point where I really wanted to get involved. I went back to school at Dallas Baptist University in my, in my 30s and finished my degree in political science and then landed a job with a U.S. member of Congress and really um, just had a burden to walk with elected officials and candidates and to help them navigate things from a biblical perspective, but to also uh, keep their integrity and, and really do what they were called to do, which was to impact the culture um, one heart at a time and one law at a time. Mm. 
I love to hear that. Bunny Pounds is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. ChristiansEngage.org is the website. We've linked it up at thebottomlineshow.com. We host a program uh, every week. There are four of us who host our own respective programs on the Crawford Broadcasting uh, Company Network, and then we get together once a week for a roundtable discussion, the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast. And on a recent edition of the program, there were three of us uh, having a go at the fact, and it just kind of turned into a gripe session <laughs> against <laughs> those who have conservative values, you know, GOP or otherwise maybe even independent, kind of right-leaning independence, and how miserable a job this organization does in terms of messaging. It seems like leftists and progressives, everybody gets the talking points, everybody's on task, everybody's on point, and they're all over the media with their messaging. And we say, wait a minute, I mean, 80% of the country doesn't agree with you. And yet, if you were to watch the mainstream news broadcasts and read the mainstream news publications, that's what you'd begin to believe over a period of time. You actually were in a political consulting situation. You, did you have your own business at one point doing that type of thing? I did. I worked for a member of Congress for 10 years, and then I launched my own firm. We had 32 clients um, in my heyday. Mm -hmm. And then um, kind of, I affectionately say I blew up my life running for Congress. It was the best mm -hmm. thing that could have ever happened to me kind of getting out behind the curtain of the elected officials to being my own voice and really understanding that God had a purpose in this realm for me. But Roger, you hit it on the head. We have, I hate to say, a silent majority. We shouldn't be silent any longer. Right. We have to start speaking up. Um, but a lot of times Christians that are even being awakened right now that we have a problem don't know what to do. Yes. And so on the back end of my race for Congress, I realized the church is really the answer. The body of Christ is truly the answer to all the ills in society. But if we believe that, um, we need to start, you know, <laughs> we need to start work taking, mixing our faith with our works and, and activating. And so Christians Engaged, our ministry was created to help empower the body of Christ uh, in this time to really know what to do in our society and how to help that. And honestly, to do it with a right heart and a right spirit, which is mm -hmm. always fun in politics to keep your heart right. Oh, I'll bet. I was, that was my next question for Bunny Pounds of ChristiansEngage.org is while, while you were working as political, I hate to say operative, but I mean, a consultant uh, and even running for Congress and uh, getting as far as you did in your race uh, five, six years ago, um, we see people on television and we'll say, oh, there's Marco Rubio. He's a good Catholic guy. Ted Cruz. Oh, yeah, good man. Mike Pence. Wow, he's vice president. He's a good Christian man and this, that, and the other thing. Does that kind of lull us to sleep, Bunny Pounds, to think, okay, well, someone else is going to come up. And so, therefore, all I have to do is keep my eyes peeled. And as soon as their name's on the ballot, I'll vote for them. Instead of saying, wait, there's way more that we as Christians could be doing to engage the culture with biblical values. Well, Roger, we just got back from Washington, D.C. We took our first Christians Engage trip with 50 people there. And it was supposed to be a, a trip uh, teaching people about our three tenets, which is prayer, voting, and engagement. And we mm -hmm. went to the Bible Museum. We went to the Holocaust Museum, the American History Museum, took a tour of the Capitol. But what it ended up being and what left all of the participants just wrecked was we got to pray for 10 House members and two senators. Wow. And it was a deep reminder as they confessed that they are in some of the hardest times for their souls, for their families. We're literally electing um, 
Christian representatives, you know, and we're electing other people as well, but we're leaving them without any prayer covering, without really um, any interaction. And the fact that we came up there with no agenda other than to minister to them and pray for them just left them speechless. And it was a reminder to me that the body of Christ, yes, we should be advocating in our state houses and in Washington, D.C. We should know our elected officials, and we should advocate for biblical values and push them in the right direction. But at the end of the day, we have to pray for them regardless of political party, and we have to believe for God's best for their lives. Now, wait a minute, Bunny Pounds. You just said pray for them regardless of political party. I thought we only prayed for Republicans. (laughs) I mean, maybe the occasional independent. What do you mean we're supposed to? I'm, I'm having some fun with you. I remember Congresswoman Virginia Fox was on the program here several years ago, and she wrote a book. It was kind of a devotional book about her experience in Congress, and it was called God is in the House, and then parentheses, and in the Senate. And she said, you wouldn't believe how many people are here for prayer meetings and Bible studies. And I'm like, okay, so if that's the case, why doesn't it look like it? I mean, why aren't we seeing the fruits of that, those labors? And I get what you're saying now, Bunny Pounds, the fact that you were there laying hands on 10 members of Congress and a couple of senators, too, who are saying we are literally here fighting this on our own. They need Aaron yeah. and her holding up their arms. They need us. They do need us. And um, it, it's a reality check for a lot of us. I want to remind everyone listening that when, when the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy and told us to pray for those that are over us, um, that we may live a peaceful life, and I'm paraphrasing here, but when he gave that command, um, it was under Nero. It was under a very wicked <laughs> Roman Empire, mm-hmm. uh, and he still told us to pray for those in authority over us, Right. And we have a mandate as the body of Christ. We can't just pick or choose who we're praying for. I want to just encourage all your listeners to look up their name of their member of Congress, whether they're Republican or Democrat. Look up their county judge and their governor and their senators and put them on their refrigerator. Put them on, you know, their desktop and remember these people in prayer and ask God for wisdom and discernment for them. And if they are not believers for him to draw them to himself because that's truly his heart's desire is for them to come mm-hmm. to him and to know him. And that's Bunny Pounds is with me today here on The Bottom Line. She's the president and founder of Christians Engaged. Pray, vote, engage. Uh, ChristiansEngaged.org is the website. Bunny, I'm guilty as charged. And I've had a few listeners over the years kind of call me on this too. Whenever uh, I refer to California as the People's Republic of California, or when I refer to Governor Newsom as Governor Nebuchadnezzar or Governor Mussolini or something like that, and people say, hey, now, wait a minute. You know, I mean, this guy was elected and he's hard, whatever. And, you know, they, they make a very valid point, as you do as well. The power of prayer is is immeasurable. We we really don't know how effective it will or won't be. And the Great Commission is going to all the world and preach the gospel. So you've, you've chosen the political arena to, to make your primary focus. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to talk about a, a resource that you have available and also a book I know you're working on as well that will be out just in time for the 2024 election to talk about how we and the body of Christ can become engaged. I think most of us listening to this program right now are heavily involved in the voting part of it. And the prayer thing, we can always pray more. But the engagement part, that's where we're looking for direction, and we're going to get some from Bunny Pounds, president and founder of ChristiansEngage.org. We'll do that in just a moment as the bottom line continues. 
You know the old expression, a picture is worth a thousand words. Well, if you're an expectant mom and you go to a pregnancy health center that is in partnership with Preborn, one picture can say way more than that. And that picture I'm talking about is an ultrasound picture. Every donation that goes to Preborn goes to providing ultrasounds for women who are expecting children and they want to know what all of their options are. When you call 833-850-BABY right now, you give a gift of $28 that provides one ultrasound. But if you give a gift toward the purchase of an ultrasound machine, now that's a $15,000 investment, but every ultrasound machine can do 250 ultrasounds per year and last a minimum of 10 years. That's 2,500 ultrasounds available to women right now. Think of all the babies, thousands of babies' lives that will be saved by your donation to Preborn right now. Call 833-850-BABY. 833-850-BABY. That's 833-850-2229. Make your best donation right now. $50, $100. Maybe you want to give $15,000. It's completely tax deductible. We've had a couple of bottom line listeners step up and do just that. 833-850-BABY. 833-850-BABY. That's 833-850-2229. Call Preborn right now. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. We've reached the midpoint of my conversation with Bunny Pounds, the founder and director of ChristiansEngaged.org. It's a great organization that will encourage you to get motivated to vote, to help others to understand what's going on, but also to take action too. Um, When you consider that Nehemiah rebuilt the broken down walls of Jerusalem in only 52 days, think of what we in the body of Christ can do if we start taking action now before the election starts. The Bible study that she's got is about Nehemiah. It is a multi-unit section of this Nehemiah study. There are, how many, 16 classes in all. It typically costs $29 to sign up, but we have four free download links that we're giving away today. Four opportunities uh, for bottom line listeners to get this free Bible study or get this Bible study for free. 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. You can win one of these four free Bible study downloads. It's a $29 value. There are 16 studies in all in the, in this, uh, the series, and we're giving away four of these for free. 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. More of my conversation with Bunny Pounds from Christians Engaged coming up next as the bottom line continues. Bunny Pounds is my guest today here on the bottom line. Bunny is the founder and president of Christians Engaged. ChristiansEngaged.org is the website. This is an organization that encourages those of us in the body of Christ to pray about elections and candidates and issues to actually vote, of course, which we uh, just lament constantly the number of people who are of the Christian faith who are registered to vote and don't, or people who are registerable and don't. And then, of course, the engagement part, because elections come along every couple of years, but the engagement part happens all the time. Bunny, we're going to link up ChristiansEngaged.org up at thebottomlineshow.com. What, can our, what should our listeners be looking for in terms of resourcing that they can start using right away? Because we talked about in the earlier segment, one of the biggest challenges for the church is people saying, I know I should pray, I know I should vote, but I really don't know how to get engaged. Yeah, well, we help people with all of that. We're, think of us as your discipleship ministry on those three points. Okay. Um, first of all, step one for every Christian is to take our pledge to pray, vote, and engage. We'll send you out a weekly prayer for our nation. We do videos. We do a scripture every Monday. We send four texts and four emails around every election. So Christians never forget an election again. We're not going to endorse nice. political parties or candidates. 
but we send you the information you need to research your ballot and to go in 95% more informed than everybody else. And then on the engagement side, Roger, we're, we're really um, filling a huge gap in curriculum to educate Christians um, that are waking up right now. We have a weekly podcast. We have articles for free. But we have an on-ramp to civic engagement seminar that people can take. That's the beginning step to understand what a political party is, how to advocate, how to get to know your elected officials. Um, separation of church and state, like what can I do in my space? We have one on local government. We've had uh, a lady in Victoria, Texas, that took that um, class, and she ran for school board and won 70-30 in the last election through our local government curriculum. I know, it's so exciting. So if someone wants to go into county, city, school board, that curriculum, salt and light, how to impact your local communities is for you. Um, and then, as you mentioned, we just put out a new curriculum on um, Nehemiah, the leadership of Nehemiah. And that's one of my favorites because I got to teach through the whole book of Nehemiah from a leadership perspective and try to fill that gap nice. because there is a leadership void in America right now that we have to fill. Yeah, absolutely. We've got that linked up at the thebottomlineshow.com as well. And when I think about the, the, the ministry that we see portrayed in the book of Nehemiah, there's a lot of parallels to what we're facing here in the, in the United States. And leadership is in very, very short supply. We see pastors leaving pulpit ministry. We see people of Christian faith who were engaged as champions of industry or in the political realm kind of backing away and saying, hey, it, it, either, it, 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 either it's bailout or burnout. Right. I mean, I figured there's one of two things. There are some people who are just working themselves to a, the point of exhaustion and other people who just said, I can't take it anymore. Talk about how Christians engaged helps people stay engaged, because I, I, I'm really con- I mean, the bailout people, they're going to happen. I'm concerned about good, godly men and women who get so focused on the work and, and, and are working tirelessly that when the burnout factor happens, then they just literally, as my wife would say, if you burn out, then you're going to have a blowout. And the blowout doesn't care where you are. It just happens. And you got to deal with it right in that moment. And it's not, it's not a fun thing to have to work through. Well, strategically, Roger, we believe at Christians Engage, the only way to motivate people for the long term to endure to the end is through hope. And it's through walking in intimacy with Jesus. And so what you're going to see from Christians Engage, unlike many other um, political things out there, is a hope-filled perspective that if we, as the body of Christ, step out in faith and we do what God's called us to do, we can't solve every problem. (laughs) Believe me, members of Congress can't even solve a problem. Um, But we can do what God's called us to do. And I think that's what the story of Nehemiah is so great if we study this book. And I I come from it from a staffer perspective. I see Nehemiah as this cupbearer standing before a Persian king. Uh, You know, uh, uh, it's a foreign nation uh, king. He's not one of us. And here is this man who is a servant leader who stands before him. He takes on um, the burden of the Lord for his city in Jerusalem, where he sees all the defenses are broken down. He goes into prayer and fasting. And out of that prayer and fasting and carrying that burden, God gives him a plan, and he has favor with the king. And can you imagine going into a city? This is before cell phones and social media. (laughs) No one knows you. You walk into the city of Jerusalem, 
and you say, guys, I'm going to mobilize you to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, and they go with it against all odds, and they rebuild the walls in 52 days. Mm. That's unheard of. And the only way Nehemiah did that was he had a strength of character in his leadership abilities um, that transcends many leaders um, that we see today. And and that's what we study in this course. And it's 16 videos on the book of Nehemiah, and every video is a different characteristic that Nehemiah carried that we should be incorporating into our own lives. Well, I can see how this would be a benefit for churches, of course, but also for Christian schools, for families who are wired that way, uh, and even those who aren't, you know, to be able to see what real leadership looks like, because there are so many people who are bucking for attention. Uh, As a matter of fact, I I saw an article recently about how attention has become the the currency of the day when it comes especially to young adults, is the fact that as long as people are looking at them on social media or paying attention to what they do— they're not even thinking about the substance of what they're doing so much as they're, you know, what's the style and the end result. And true leadership actually does get results. Bunny Pounds is a, is a testament to that, having worked in the political realm with her uh, academic training in this regard, and now is the founder and president of Christians Engaged. And we've got a link for christiansengaged.org up at thebottomlineshow.com. But you've got a couple minutes left in our time together. Uh, you mentioned this Nehemiah Bible study, and I'm sure there are some people who are saying, well, I'm used to Christians Engaged, or I should say an organization like Christians Engaged, having a petition to sign, you know, or go to a rally, or, you know, we've got door knockers, you know, that we go out and, and hand out. And you're talking about you know, a podcast and Bible study and things of that nature. Talk about what engagement truly does mean in terms of, you know, if Christians Engaged, uh, the three uh, points of the uh, of the of the the star here are pray, vote, and engage. Talk about why that engagement part is so critical in terms of being strategic about it. Well, we're we're kind of starting at the beginning, Roger, in a lot of ways because before we can engage, we have to know the Word of God. And I hate to say it, the American church has left two things: the presence of God and the Word of God. And a lot of times, we don't think we need Him. And, and so with Christians Engage, what we're trying to do is take us first back to the feet of Jesus and to His Word, trembling at His Word. And so we're building curriculum on civics from a faith and theological perspective, but we're also building curriculum on biblical worldview and the Bible, our Nehemiah class. We just released a course on biblical justice, <laughs> uh, mm. which is strangely much different than modern social justice. Mm-hmm. Um, we are about to release another course on biblical economics and biblical worldview also, because um, we have to have an understanding of the Word of God. But when we're talking about engagement, let me just simplify it. It's you being a Christ follower, saying, God, use me for your glory, and then stepping in to a school board meeting, stepping into a city council meeting, going to your local chamber of commerce and starting to meet people in your community praying for them, figuring out where your gifts and talents can meet the needs in your community, um, you know, adopting a foster care kid that has nowhere else to go. It's really about being obedient. And so we train you at Christians Engage through our curriculum and our products how to hear the voice of the Lord and respond to that and not get stuck in all the other you know, all the crisis and all the fear Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and all that stuff, but to do what God's called you to do. 
Wow, that's a great challenge, and it's a great exhortation, which means it's an encouragement, too. From Bunny Pounds, Bunny is the founder and president of Christians Engaged. ChristiansEngaged.org is the website, and we've got that linked up at thebottomlineshow.com, in addition to the pledge that they have there and also the Bible resources, the Bible studies and other curriculum that they have available to help you get engaged in this battle. Bunny, thank you for the work that you've done, and thank you for uh, being a part of our broadcast today to share with our listeners about what Christians Engaged is all about, and uh, hopefully many of our listeners will uh, will follow up with you in the ministry in, that God has led you into. Thanks so much for being with us today here on The Bottom Line. Really a blessing, Roger. Thank you so much for all you do. What a great conversation, and looking forward to more of them with Bunny Pounds, the founder and chairman of ChristiansEngaged.org, and this Nehemiah Bible study is fantastic. I'm grateful. It's 16 lessons. It's only $29 to purchase, but we have four free downloads of this so that we're giving away four complete Bible studies for free. Uh, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Again, this is a Bible study on the book of Nehemiah that is perfectly timed for what's happening in the world right now. 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. Why are so few evangelical Christians getting involved in politics? Well, maybe it's because more and more evangelical Christians are realizing that they don't have a biblical worldview. Dr. George Barn is going to join me to talk about his latest study that unfortunately confirms what I just shared. It's coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. You're a Christian who's been injured, so you need Christian attorney Stephanie Cover of Cover Law to fight for you. With Stephanie, it's not just a routine legal process. It's a spiritual battle. She understands that a legal fight involves more than flesh and blood. It means confronting principalities and powers, and that's why she consistently prays with and for her clients. She forms long-lasting relationships with her clients, just as you would expect from someone who engages in spiritual battle alongside another believer. Praise for Stephanie pours in through cards, thank you texts, and letters from clients who thank her for checking up on them, coming to see them in the hospital, praying, and even finding alternative care when current care is inadequate. Inspired by Jesus' command to love one another, Stephanie uses her skill as an attorney and knowledge of insurance processes to fight for your completeness and healing. Don't wait any longer. Contact Stephanie Cover today at kbrightradio.com slash cover and let her take up your spiritual battle. Well, joined for another segment by Dr. George Barna today here on the Bottom Line Show. And we're going to get into some issues regarding the pandemic. We're going to talk about what has happened to the church post-pandemic. We're going to talk about some, some very basic things that a, a lot of people in the church are taking a look at and wondering did the church really get reshaped and reformed by the pandemic? Dr. George Barner, the Director of Research at the Arizona Christian University Cultural Research Center. And if you've not read any of the American Worldview Inventory reports as yet, the 2023 edition hits you right between the eyes with the reality of what has happened to the church and how the church is kind of holding up in the culture. Dr. George Barner, welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. Hey, Roger. Good to be back with you. Thanks for yeah. having me. 
one of the things I like about the American worldview inventory is it's kind of like having someone explain to you why popular music is so bad and why classic rock music is so good. <laughs> and, and the fact that, I mean, not that, that the world is so horrible and messed up because obviously Jesus is in the process of redeeming and you know the redemption and everything. But you and I talk a lot about music and I, there isn't a week that goes by that I don't hear some song from our past and then say, wow, that was, they just don't make them like that anymore. But what you help us do with the worldview inventory is say, okay, we don't make them like that anymore, but we have to understand why they're being made so poorly, why the product is kind of thinning out. And I'm grateful for the research that you do, George. I mean, you kind of, you don't pull any punches. You let us know exactly where the church is in the culture right now. Yeah, I mean, my job isn't to give people my opinion. It's just to try to get the facts for them right. and let them know what's going on. And so, you know, I've I've found these last three years particularly interesting because we know that, as we've talked about before, a person's worldview forms when they're 13. They kind of beat it up and reshape it a little bit during their teens and 20s. Then after that, it's off to the races. They try to evangelize everybody to get them to believe what they believe. But you look at worldview, it doesn't change much after the age of 13. Unless there's a life-changing circumstance that takes place, a crisis. And through our research, we've identified the six most common crises that facilitate worldview changes. And frankly, the pandemic is one that would not have wound up on our list, because how often do you have a pandemic? Right. But, I mean, it is exactly the kind of crisis that causes people to step back and rethink so many things about their life. And so these last three years or so have been huge in that respect. And that's why we've seen so much spiritual change. Usually we don't see much spiritual change year from, uh, from year to year. You know, a couple of percentage points here and there and a couple of attributes. But I mean, in, in terms of what's taken place in these last three years, there have been dozens of beliefs and religious behaviors where we've seen massive change and we've seen it in groups, uh, for instance, evangelicals, where you wouldn't normally expect to see any change taking place. It's like, yeah, I believe in the Bible. Yeah, I believe in Jesus. My life is committed to him. End of story. And yet, even with evangelicals these last three years, we've seen big changes, big changes in mainline churches, big changes in Catholic churches, doesn't matter where you go to church, there have been big spiritual stories that have been popping up as a result. Well, the fifth episode, the fifth installment, if you will, of the American Worldview Inventory uh, Research Study from George Barna at American uh, Arizona Christian University is up at thebottomlineshow.com, and I highly recommend that you read it. It's not a terribly long, lengthy type of diatribe, but rather it's very, very informational. And, and you mentioned some of the different denominational expressions, George, and it's interesting that you did because I was reading this and thought, boy, that's really interesting with regard to, say, Catholicism. I don't know if it's just me because I spend a little more time digging deeper into different uh, sects of the Christian faith, if you will, but it seems like I'm seeing a lot more people who have embraced Catholicism, have joined the Catholic Church, and yet your numbers say, well, guess what? They're the exception rather than the rule because they fall into that category of having about a five-point drop in the number of people who you survey anyway that identify as Catholic. Yeah, you know, it was interesting. I was talking with a news reporter earlier today and we actually dove into that a little bit. And there, there are so many dynamics happening in the Catholic Church these days. 
you know, with all of the the priest scandals that have taken place, mm -hmm. yeah. the church's response or non-response to it, uh, and you look at the impact of that on different segments within the audience for the Catholic Church, and of course, the biggest shift being with Hispanic Catholics, you know, who are very family-oriented, very yeah. upset about what's taken place, very concerned about the future of faith in the Catholic Church, and so enormous numbers of them have dropped out of the Catholic Church. Not all of them have re-engaged with Christianity. Some of them have re-engaged with Protestant churches, but a large share of them have just dropped out of the faith world altogether. Hmm. So there's a lot of dynamics happening with that, that whole Catholic part uh, of the Christian community. Talking with Dr. George Barna today here on The Bottom Line, the fifth release of the American Worldview Inventory is called How the Pandemic Reshaped Christian Beliefs and Behaviors. We have a link for it up at thebottomlineshow.com, and you can also subscribe for free for these uh, different uh, uh, cultural research center uh, releases, because they're, rather than try to dive into the whole report, why not take one piece of it? Uh, one thing that I found was very interesting, George, and this is I'd like you to expand upon this if you would. A lot of people who have, you know, kind of bought into the whole make America great again say, well, you know, I mean, the God of the Bible and going to church and there was a time when America was this way and that way and this, that and the other thing. And I think that there there may be a misconception in the body of Christ anyway about how church going quote unquote, Americans have been in the past. And and when you look at the numbers that you saw, even just in the past three years, that changes the numbers going up and going down in different aspects of Christianity, that was one number that caught me by surprise. Literally, how many American Christians go to church, or maybe I should say how few. Yeah. And, you know, Roger, if you look at the data over time, it's kind of a seesaw. It's up, it's down, it's up, it's down. Uh, cultural matters change people's church attendance changes mm -hmm. and you know you look at technology the changes that that's brought about in terms of people's faith including things like church attendance so yeah i mean it's it's never something that's terribly stable that's maybe one of the less stable measures that we have of people's faith their beliefs don't change as much as their church attendance does but uh yeah i mean certainly over the pandemic we had mandated changes related to church attendance. Right. And now you come out of that period and you see, well, what have people chosen to do? And a lot of folks have chosen not to go back to church. Uh, another significant proportion have said, you know what? I, I wanted some faith input during the pandemic. So I went online or, I, you know, listened to podcasts or did other things that brought me in touch with my faith and other people related to faith, and they've stuck with that regimen. So you've got some people used to go to church services regularly, now they're watching them online regularly, or maybe they're listening to other kinds of uh, input that they can get through other technologies. But the local church as a place to go to has definitely lost some of its cachet. You know, as we look at these numbers and we think about, uh, you know, how important it is, because, I mean, on the one hand, when you hear those numbers, I can understand why Generation Z and millennials are maybe more podcast driven when it comes to their faith. And at the same time, I, I'm also just really intrigued with the fact that for as many churches as were fighting to, you know, go up against, there's a new movie coming out soon about uh, one church group and others that were going to court. We want to keep the church open during the pandemic. You can't shut us down. 
it's interesting to see how many people would say, as a Christian with a biblical worldview, I believe that Scripture tells us we should be meeting together. But as an American who has access to podcasts and all sorts of other data and information, I'm not going to make the effort. And that does, does that, or maybe I should say, does that actually, George Barna, uh, indicate a bit of a, a shift, not, not just in belief, but kind of show the dichotomy, the paradox, if you will, of what it means to be a Christian in America in 2023? Yeah, definitely. I, you know, you look at what happens, even when you go to so many uh, physical churches, local churches, neighborhood churches in America. Uh, community is something that's talked about, but when it comes time to experience it, the way that it happens isn't when we're all together on the big campus. It's more so you're right. sent back home and go to somebody's house once a week, and that's going to be your Christian community. That works for some people. It doesn't work for others. Our research shows that one of the things that those small group-oriented experiences do not do is grow people spiritually. They tend mm. to be good at helping people with relational connections. So if that's the objective, that's good. It's matching it. But if it's also to grow them deeper in a relationship with Christ, our research at least is showing that's not taking place. You know, then you look at the other options as we're talking about, you know, podcasts and other things, video casts, whatever it may be. And, and that has even less of an interrelational component to it. So, yeah, I mean, it's a different day and age for the church. What does it mean to be a leader in, in the church today? What does it mean to be part of a community of faith? If you're one of 10,000 people that listen to the same podcast, is that Christian community? Hmm. You know, I mean, there are a lot of questions that I think these days we have to take a look at. Well, and if you were looking for answers in terms of the formation and the foundation of what the church is right now in terms of how it's playing out in the Western uh, regions of the world, the American Worldview Inventory, release number five, will give you some great information. Dr. George Barna is the director of research at the Cultural Research Center at Arizona Christian University. Uh, release number five focuses on how the pandemic reshaped Christian beliefs and behaviors. It's just now out, and we've got a link for it up at thebottomlineshow.com. And I mentioned that this is the fifth release this year, which means you want to get the other four and you can sign up to get a free subscription to get these re press releases as they come out that give you a little bite-sized five, six, seven-page summaries of some of the more salient highlights of what's been happening in this research. More of this conversation with Dr. George Barna in just a moment as the bottom line continues. You can protect against market volatility without investing all your money into bonds. Wilson Financial has simply better alternatives. The last 12 months, there has been almost $1.7 invested in investment-grade bonds. This move to safety locks up money for a long time of guaranteed low returns. Why? Market volatility. Well, my comment is why go with low earnings for a long time when you can get great earnings with a solid real estate-backed investment paying you 6% over the next three years. After three years, you can invest in another option, or you can do what most of our investors do and reinvest in another one of our new exclusive 6% accounts. This strategy gives you the best of both options without settling for many years of low returns. Our 3D Money 6% account pays you great interest while you're not subjecting yourself to market volatility. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or visit kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial and ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive real estate-backed 6% investment account. Wilson Financial Services, for simply better alternatives. 
Welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Dr. George Barna is my guest. We're discussing the latest report from the American Worldview Inventory 2023. This is report number five, and it focuses on how the pandemic reshaped Christian beliefs and behaviors. You can get the full report for free when you go to arizonachristian.edu. We've got this report linked up at thebottomlineshow.com, and you can click it, read it, and then uh, download it and subscribe for all the rest of them. By the way, just a few moments left in our giveaway of the uh, outstanding Bible study on the book of Nehemiah, Bunny Pounds and the team at Christians Engage, which is an organization that is designed to help Christians pray and vote and then engage in the culture. Um, She has a fascinating study on Nehemiah that of course talks about how the wall of Jerusalem was rebuilt in 52 days and Nehemiah and Ezra engaged in that, uh, that opportunity and then how we can apply the words of Nehemiah the prophet and Nehemiah the administrator and Nehemiah the revivalist and gatherist and discipler into Nehemiah and an application for America. This is a 16 class study. It has a retail value of $29 each. Anybody can sign up for that, but we have four of these opportunities. We've got four of the Bible studies to give away and would love to get you those links. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Again, we've got four copies of this Nehemiah Bible study from Bunny Pounds and our friends at Christians Engaged. And we'll look, so you've got an excellent chance of winning. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278. is the number to get you through to the bottom line. For our KCBC audience, enjoy the rest of your day and Rabbi Schneider with Discovering the Jewish Jesus, which is coming up next. For those who remain on the network, going to continue my conversation with Dr. George Barna. It's fascinating doing a little post-pandemic analysis to see what has happened in the body of Christ and how the pandemic influenced uh, the behavior of evangelical Christians. You know, it's interesting because when you think about it, it should be the other way around. We're the ones who should be having the influence on the world. But I think the pandemic showed us how much the world is influencing us and influencing us even more than our influence is as Christians. Let's take a look at some practical suggestions for turning that ship around. Coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. Dr. George Barna with me today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. George is the Director of Research at the Cultural Research Center at Arizona Christian University. We've got a link for arizonachristian.edu up at thebottomlineshow.com, and you've got to subscribe to the American Worldview Inventory. The most recent report is called How the Pandemic Reshaped Christian Beliefs and Behaviors. You can get it absolutely free. We just talk about it here every couple of weeks here on the program, but you can get it and read it ahead of time and then uh, we can have listeners, but one of these days, George, we'll have to do a little Q&A where listeners, you know, read something in the report and then they try to stump the expert. Uh, would that, would you be up for something like that or? Wouldn't I, be I was, hard to stump this expert. I'll tell you that. I yeah. was going to, I was waiting for you to say, you're breaking up. I'm sorry. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Gotta go. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it's 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 interesting. I was what you and I both music fans, and I we were talking uh, during the break about a video that I'd seen where the uh, secular mainstream artist uh, Christopher Cross was being interviewed by a guy named Rick Beato, and he was talking about what the laws were like in Texas when he was growing up, and how he and a, like a high school band he was playing in wound up having I want to say being forced, but it was a city requirement where they lived that you had to have a local band open for a headliner if the headliner was playing more than a certain number of days. And so his band got booked to open for like Led Zeppelin or something for a week. 
not because they were good, but because there was a city law that said or, or to, compatible style wise. Yeah, right, oh well, you wouldn't you wouldn't think of him as being that kind of player. He said at one point that he looked over during their set and Paige and Plant were in the wings just watching them play. And I'm thinking, OK, that would just make me pass out you know i could see me and george barna watching you know jimmy and what and afterwards they came up and they, and they asked them they said quite frankly they said are you wealthy and uh he said well not, i don't know why well because we were wondering why you could afford to tour along with us you know and they said <laughs> well it's actually a state ordinance but i wonder you know using that as a launching point for getting back into this american worldview inventory you know, when we think about how the state has really interjected itself into local matters, especially with the church, do you get the sense, George Barna, that during the pandemic, the increase of state requirements and regulations and things of that nature, was that's kind of the tipping point that discouraged more people from returning to church afterwards? Or was that more of a convenient excuse? I mean, that people were just saying, oh, we're not going to go, we're going to watch it on TV, fine. And then they just never went back. No, I, one of the things that, that we've been looking at is the fact that during the pandemic, as people are going through this crisis moment in their life, trying to figure out how do I deal with this? How do I navigate all these possibilities and challenges? One natural thing for a large portion of Americans prior to the pandemic would have been to turn to their faith, their faith community, their faith beliefs, their faith relationships, all of that. During the pandemic, with many of the mandates, and you know, I'm here in California a lot, and you know, things were primarily shut down. Our church wasn't, but most churches were shut down. And so that source of input was taken away. What replaced it? You had two dominant ones. You had government and you had arts and entertainment. <laughs> and if you think about it, people were spending much, much larger shares of time paying attention to what the government was telling them truth is, you know, righteousness mm -hmm. is, morality is, redefining all of that. And at the same time, of course, people were devoting more time to media because they had more time on their hands, time they might have spent at church previously or church events or with church people. Now that wasn't so much an option. So they'd spend more time watching movies, television, uh, you know, listening to podcasts, you know, listening to music, all kinds of media. And so the messages that were coming through those media, as well as the changes in government laws and procedures, that started to rewire a lot of people's worldview of, oh, gosh, I never thought of it that way. Or maybe that's the way it is now. Or it seems like that's what everybody thinks is right and appropriate. And so as people were looking for the answers, the, the Christian body wasn't there to respond Right. And so a lot of the the weight behind biblical perspectives wasn't available. It wasn't there. And so they were moving, uh, many people moved to alternatives for their answers, and they've just never returned. Dr. George Barna is my guest today here on The Bottom Line, Director of Research at the Cultural Research Center at Arizona Christian University. We've got a link for arizonachristian.edu up at thebottomlineshow.com and the latest installment 
installment of the American Worldview Inventory 2023 edition. They've been doing this now. This is their third year of doing so. George, I was interested to see, you know, we were talking about how, uh, you know, th this changed during the pandemic and a lot of the numbers and you you specify, you, you take a, a running leap in the opposite direction and say, okay, well, let's look at three-year intervals, 2017, 2020, 2023. So you get a chance to see a couple of things. I mean, the 2020 area obviously is when the pandemic started. But 2017 is when politics changed forever, when uh, Don Trump became the 45th president of the United States. And a lot of people in the church supported him. A lot of people in the church said a good Christian never could. I found it very interesting looking at your numbers that you had been able to compile that the number of people who were attending Christian church services on a weekly basis actually went up a little bit slightly at the beginning of the Trump administration. But the number of people who identified as Christian went down and that continued to go down. Both of them took a, a drop during the uh, the pandemic. When you see church attendance, and uh, again, I'm throwing numbers at you. If you haven't looked at them right away, I'm not gonna, this isn't a pop quiz, but I was intrigued to see how church attendance went down in New York, but it also went down in California as well as Florida. You know, and Florida, Florida. is also seen as the beacon of, you know, uh, of liberty, you know, and Ron right. DeSantis and all that stuff. That tells me that the overarching larger issue is there are fewer people who identify as Christian in this culture. Talk about that. Yeah, uh, you know, and part of this too, I, I think maybe last time we were together, we talked a little bit about generational changes. Yeah. And that has a lot to do with this because as our two older generations, boomers being one of them now, are, forgive me, but dying off, You've got, you know, younger individuals taking their place who do not have the same assumptions, do not have the same experiences, right. do not have the same pressures upon them spiritually. And so there's a whole different set of expectations and hopes and dreams for America, for churches, for family, for individuals. All of that is being reshaped. And so now where you have the millennials, for instance, who introduced to a large extent a lot of the woke culture that became a big thing during the pandemic years, yeah, that's almost a spiritual replacement for the Christianity of boomers and elders hmm. from prior generations. Interesting point. So they've got a whole new way of putting life together in their minds and whereas the Christian perspective would have said, if you want to know truth, if you want to know the way to think or act, go to the Bible. It'll prescribe it for you. The new way of thinking is, if you want to know how to think or act, look deep inside. Your mm -hmm. feelings are what's going to mm -hmm. reveal that to you. Mm -hmm. There's no outside source you need to pay attention to, because unlike our predecessors who believe that there was absolute moral truth, we know as the enlightened younger ones, that there is no such thing as absolute moral truth. You make truth what it is for you. Nobody can tell you you're right or wrong. That goes not only for truth, but your morals and every decision you make in life. You're responsible to yourself. Whereas prior generations would have said, we're responsible to God. Someday we're going to answer to a holy and righteous God for right. everything we ever did. Well, that belief is no longer in place in America. And it's changed all of the decision-making that's going on. And so when we talk about things like a biblical worldview, which is our decision-making filter, every decision we make flows through that filter, where we've now seen the proportion of people with a biblical worldview 
in the last almost 30 years uh, be cut down to a third of what it used to be. This is the implication of that, where people are saying, yeah, I don't have to worry about some kind of supreme being that I have to answer to. There probably isn't one. And even if there is, he'll understand because I'm a good person. I'm doing what's right in my own eyes. What more could I do? And that's the that's the way it works in America today. You know, George Barn is with us today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. The uh, American Worldview Inventory 2023, the latest edition of that is up at thebottomlineshow.com. And I want to circle back around as we uh, get ready to conclude our time together, George, with something you said earlier about the number of people who typically have their worldview formed by around age 13 or so. And I was thinking of the people I know who, you know, you go, that guy's 58 years old. Why does he still act like he's in high school? And it's like, well, uh, we can understand. And I and I realized, too, that how many people I, I was thinking of something from that era for me, where if you would said, OK, you're, we're going to make the cutoff 13, 14 years of age, then my Gospels would be written by Monty Python and Gary Trudeau. You know, I mean, that's a, I, that's those were those were daily watches and reads for me. But yeah. then I kept thinking, well, here we are today in the 21st century in 2023, and we really are Michael Palin out in the mud saying, you know, the supreme executive power is a mandate from the masses. And, and it's it. What, what do we all agree on? Where do we all come from? Uh, how do we move forward? I mean, you, you talk about in this survey that there are two biblical rock solid foundations that in spite of all the changing, shifting sands are still foundational for people in terms of God creating the universe and, you know, wh who holds a biblical worldview of God, but everything else seems to be up for grabs. What, what can we do to draw people to the commonality of the sovereignty of God? You know, it's, maybe we can talk about that next time as well, because really what you're asking me is how do we disciple people today? And, uh, you know, I've got a book coming out actually on Labor Day about that very thing. Excellent. Yeah, looking at, you know, the what we found in the research constitutes effective discipleship today. Perfect. And and part of the reason, you know, just to give you a down payment on, on your question, that it, it hasn't been working well, is that we're not sure what we believe, and we're not willing to model it for other people. And so when they watch us, they say, yeah, he's, he's as confused as I am. You know, he talks the Jesus stuff, but he lives the world stuff. And so, yeah, the truth is probably somewhere in between. Yeah, I got to find it for myself. Mm -hmm. And that's how people are coming to their conclusions. You know, if we want people to come to Jesus's conclusions, we have to not only believe them, but live them as well as share them. I love hearing these truths expounded upon by George Barna. And if you don't trust his research, you have to place your faith not only in his belief in Jesus Christ and the fact, too, that he's a bass player and he understands how to hold all this together, right? I mean, if he, the whole song pivots on whether or not the bass player is in tune, in the right key, and knows what they're doing. So uh, you, you could take that to the bank. The Earlier today, Barna. I was wearing my shirt that said, relax, the bass player's here. <laughs> I, I should have kept that on. I forgot I was going to be with you. <laughs> well, we'll do that next time we talk about the okay. evangelism book for sure. Dr. George Barna, Director of Research at the Cultural Research Center at Arizona Christian University, arizonachristian.edu. We've got the latest installment of the American Worldview Inventory up at thebottomlineshow.com. Subscribe today. It's absolutely free. Next month, we get together and we talk about George's newest book. Uh, till then, George, uh, blessings to you and your family. Thank you so much for being with us today here on the program. Same to you. Thank you, Roger.
Well, it's always great to get some time with Dr. George Barna, busy guy these days. And the American Worldview Inventory has become such a go-to for me. I don't, there's, we do not have a financial arrangement with Arizona Christian University. George and I are friends. He does his work at ACU. He does the American Worldview Inventory. He puts together these reports. He reaches out and says, got a new report. I said, okay, great. Let's talk about it on the radio. And that's how it works. I mean, full stop. That's how it works. So the idea that, uh, you know, that there's no pay for play going on here. I just like his work and he loves talking with our audience. So I really hope you benefit from these American Worldview Inventory studies. And if you've never seen one before, we post them at thebottomlineshow.com. And then once you're there, you can follow the link and there's a way you can subscribe to these for free. Just sign up, give them an email address, and uh, they'll send them to you every time they put one out. So that is absolutely free from Arizona Christian University uh, here on The Bottom Line Show at thebottomlineshow.com. We are also, by the way, giving away, speaking of free stuff today that's free online, um, give us a call at 800-227-5278. We had a great conversation earlier in the program with Bunny Pounds, former political worker and then congressional candidate, and now the founder of a group called Christians Engaged, which works in harmony with uh, I Voter Guide and My Faith Votes and whatever, that this is on the action side, getting people to pray, to vote, and then be engaged in the culture um, to basically do what Nehemiah did, rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem. We can rebuild the spiritual fabric of our nation here by following their principles. She's conducted a 16-part Bible study. It's available all online. Bunny is your teacher. And it's all based on the book of Nehemiah. Ordinarily, it's a $29 purchase price for that, and that's a great deal for a 16-session Bible study. But Bunny has graciously given us four free versions of this, and so we're giving those away today, so give Crystal a call at 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. We'll take a quick break, and when we come back, I want to look at some of the numbers that are in George's report. We'll do that in uh, greater detail. And also, one number that isn't in the report, but it's something that's starting to make a lot of people nervous, and that is, is the Supreme Court ganging up with the conservative majority, ganging up on the liberals and the progressives on the high court to where the liberal voice will be silenced? I hear that so often in the culture. And I have to ask the question, is it true? Well, I came across a study that gives us some actual factual evidence of what really is happening in the high court. And it looks at the Supreme Court from the day Joe Biden was, in fact, inaugurated. So it'd be very interesting to see. I mean, there's been one Supreme Court uh, appointment since President Biden took office. Uh, Associate Justice uh, Katani Brown Jackson or Katanji Brown Jackson. But whether or not you know that's going to sway the court well the numbers will do the talking for us and for them we'll take a look at those coming up next as the bottom line continues you know i'll never forget the moment i met my grandson isaac it actually wasn't in the delivery room that was the first time i held him but the first time i actually met isaac was when i went with his mother to her ultrasound appointment and the ultrasound technician showed us a picture of that eight week old baby in the womb uh, you know i encourage you to contact preborn right now and make a donation to provide that same experience for another family maybe there's someone in your family who's expecting a child right now they've had the ultrasound you've seen the picture you've heard the heartbeat and you think wow how can i bless someone else studies show that 83 percent of the women who go to a preborn clinic and see that ultrasound 
either choose to become mothers and raise the children on their own or release the child for adoption. It cuts the risk of it cuts the rate of abortion dramatically. But your donations are necessary right now to get more ultrasound machines into preborn health clinics. Give a gift online when you go to kbrightradio.com and click the banner that says preborn. Cute little baby there wrapped up in a blanket. Or give a gift over the phone. 833-850-BABY, 833-850-BABY, that's 833-850-2229. Call Preborn, make a donation. Every ultrasound machine could do 250 ultrasounds per year, so give a gift right now. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, Super Tuesday edition of the program. And I want to just share a few numbers with you. The first one is actually from George Barna's uh, report, the uh, American Worldview Inventory, on how the pandemic reshaped Christian beliefs and behaviors in the culture. The number of people who ad- attend Christian church services weekly stayed the same, basically from 2017, 34%. 2020 was 39% before the pandemic hit, and then 33% again right now. People reading the Bible at a church event, or other than at a church event, about the same numbers. Here are the numbers that really got my attention. Okay, first and foremost, there's been a lot of huffing and puffing in the evangelical community about evangelicals and what it means to be evangelical. Donald Trump's, you know, got the big share of the evangelical vote, and that means bad news for evangelicals, right? Well, not necessarily. I mean, in 2017, 18% of Americans identified as evangelical. Today, it's 15%. Um, People who identify as Christians, this is interesting. In 2017, when Donald Trump was inaugurated, 77% of Americans identified as Christian. In 2020, at the start of the pandemic, that number had dropped to 72%, and today it's 68%. But this is something that I thought was even more interesting to me, based on the fact that the Catholic Church has such a huge impact on the American electorate compared to the church on the whole. The number of Catholics in America, 2017, 22% of Americans identify as Catholic. In 2023, only 17% of Americans identify as Catholic. And yet, who gets the most press and who has the most influence at the polls? It certainly isn't the 55% of Americans who claim to be Protestant. I mean, you would think that the only people of faith who are voting were Catholic based on the impact that is perhaps that they have at the polls. I just found those numbers to be interesting. You make of them what you will, you'll find more of them online when you go to our website at thebottomlineshow.com. Uh, interesting report regarding the Supreme Court was issued last week. And I wanna wrap up today's program with this report. This was an interview with the Wall Street Journal where Justice Samuel Alito defended the Supreme Court from radical attacks. This is what he had to say. He said, quote, no provision in the Constitution gives the Supreme Court, or gives the, excuse me, uh, gives Congress the authority to regulate the Supreme Court, period. I marvel at all the nonsense that has been written about me just in the past year. The traditional idea about how judges and justices should behave is that they should be mute. But that's just not happening. And so at a certain point, I've said to myself, nobody else is going to do this. I have to defend myself. Congress wants to impose a constitutionally suspect code of conduct on the U.S. Supreme Court. Justice Brett Kavanaugh pushed back. He said, hey, uh, regarding the Supreme Court, it's an institution of law, 
not of politics or not of partisanship. We have lived up, in my estimation, to deciding cases based on law and not based on partisan affiliation or partisanship. We don't caucus in separate rooms. We don't meet separately. We're not sitting on different sides of the aisle on an oral agreement or an argument. Rather, we work as a group of nine and we work together. Uh, when Justice Kavanaugh joined the Supreme Court, he even said he was surprised to find out. I mean, they're not in session all the time. They got together 65 times a year for lunch. He described the uh, camaraderie between the group as, quote, unquote, a reservoir of goodwill. Take this quote from Justice Sonia Sotomayor. You would think one of the most radical judges on the high bench would have nothing but disdain for Clarence Thomas. But she said, Clarence Thomas is a man who cares deeply about the court as an institution. I suspect I probably disagreed with him more than with any other justice, that we have not joined each other's opinions more than anybody else. And yet, Justice Thomas is the one justice in the building that literally knows every employee's name, every single one of them. So now the question is, but yeah, they, maybe they all like each other. Maybe you know, they do, but it's a court divided, right? It's easy for the conservatives to say what they want to say because it's a 6-3 or 5-4 more accurately. I think it's five constitutional judges, three radical leftist judges, and John Roberts. But there's a statistical blog called Empirical SCOTUS, S-C-O-U-T-S, Supreme Court of the U.S., and they have reported that during the past two years, the number of times the court has de decided on what they would call an ideological split, that means a six to three vote where the majority just runs over the others. The number of those decisions has actually declined from last year to the next. As a matter of fact, in the link, which we'll put up at thebottomlineshow.com, I mentioned that they go back to Joe Biden's uh, first day on the job. They actually go back to the end of Barack Obama's term. The voting coalitions for the Supreme Court since 2016. And here's the one pattern that is clear. In 2016, the court decided an unusually large number of politically charged cases, the report says. More than half were ultimately decided by unanimous votes. In those cases, there were actually no dissents. In other words, everybody agreed. So what's happening now? Let's take a look at those numbers coming up next as the bottom line continues. You can protect against market volatility without investing all your money into bonds. Wilson Financial has simply better alternatives. The last 12 months, there has been almost $1.7 trillion invested in investment-grade bonds. This move to safety locks up money for a long time of guaranteed low returns. Why? Market volatility. Well, my comment is why go with low earnings for a long time when you can get great earnings with a solid real estate-backed investment paying you 6% over the next three years. After three years, you can invest in another option, or you can do what most of our investors do and reinvest in another one of our new exclusive 6% accounts. This strategy gives you the best of both options without settling for many years of low returns. Our 3D Money 6% account pays you great interest while you're not subjecting yourself to market volatility. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or visit kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial and ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive real estate-backed 6% investment account, Wilson Financial Services, for simply better alternatives. Welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Is the Supreme Court so wildly divided 
that we're never going to have any partisanship. Are conservatives ruining the Constitution? Do we need congressional oversight? Well, I think the answer is no. And our statistics come from a blog site called Empirical SCOTUS at Supreme Court of the United States. There were fewer cases during the most recent term that were decided by a six to three split. In the term ending 2021-22, there were 14. Last year, there were just five. When it comes to unanimous decisions, the 48% of the decisions last year that were unanimous with no dissenting opinion was the highest since 2016. It's interesting to see that the left has been clamoring for court packing, you know, trying to expand the Supreme Court from nine to 13 or 15 or whatever, so that that would give President Biden or whoever the Democrat president is in office all sorts of opportunity to pick their own, uh, you know, take a, a Democrat supermajority in the House and Senate, not president uh, who's Democrat, nominates all their buddies and they pack it with so many young Democrat progressive lawyers that will never see the Constitution again. But the reality is we've had nine justices for 150 years and seems things are going pretty well. But the rate of unanimous decisions, 48% last year were unanimous, 29% the year before. And what's interesting is the only difference in last year's court to the year before's court was the addition of Katanji Brown Jackson because Stephen Breyer retired. Mike Berry is the uh, Liberty, First Liberty Institute uh, attorney who explains this for the Federalist Society. He says, the far left insists that the court is sharply divided along political lines, but if that's true, we would expect to see those fissures represented in the court's decisions, yet we find the opposite. Uh, the numbers don't lie, and we'll put them up here at thebottomlineshow.com. The beauty of our government, people will say we're a Christian nation that God ordained this nation to be what it is. Well, God's ordination, I'm sure, has his hand all over what we do, but we keep trying to pry his fingers away from it as sinful fallen people. May God continue to rule and guide over our land as we seek justice and to love mercy and to walk humbly with our God. In this nation, for now, and in the eternal nation, for all eternity. That's good news, and that's the bottom line.